0: Okay, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for your patience. So I am Dr. Hans. Can you all hear me? Perfect, perfect. And I'm here with my co-host, Alexa. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin this presentation by going through some of the core things, the foundational things that you need to know, and then will welcome Alexa, and then she'll take over and cover what you need to know about, like, you know, if you have a mortgage, right, and you're worried about your mortgage payments, how to be able to handle that. Okay, friends, how to manage or defer major bills during the coronavirus lockdown? So first and foremost, I just want to share that this is not meant to be financial advice, and it's so important because with everything that I do and also with everything that Alexa does, this is meant to be educational in nature, right? So then we're teaching you and we're guiding you and showing you the information on the, or the resources out there so that you can use it to your benefit. But it's important to know that this isn't personalized financial advice. So friends, you know, with everything going on right now, I am reminded of a key important thing, which is that the individuals who understand how money works, the individuals who I like to say follow the money, they are the ones who are thriving right now. Let me tell you just a little bit about my story. In 2007, 2008, that's sort of when my journey to learning about money began. And that journey started because throughout my childhood, my parents used to tell me that Hans, the formula or the key to success was for you to get a degree and get a high paying job. So I made it a point to focus on getting that degree because I was taught that once you get that degree, it it was equivalent to success in the real world. And that success meant, you know, financial success, um, success in all areas of life. So my entire focus was on just getting a degree that paid me a lot of money. And luckily for me, in 2009, 2010, I stumbled upon a mentor of mine, a millionaire. And he was so moved by my passion to you know, want to achieve success, but he noticed that I was driven by the acquisition of like a degree. And he told me, you know what, Hans, why don't you take some time and study how money works so that you can discover whether just the degree is is the path that you want to take to be able to achieve financial success. So in essence, he was trying to say, hey Hans, I know you were told that once you get a degree and you get a job, that is the formula for financial success, but you might want to you know, look that over again to confirm if that's right. And he told me, you know what? Go read this book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And friends, I did. That was the start of my financial education. And I want to encourage all of you listening to commit yourself to be a student of money because money runs everything. It really does. And and that's not news to you. We work for money. We utilize money as a financial resource to be able to do a lot of what we do on a day-to-day basis. But we've never taking the time to commit ourselves to steady money, to understand how do we acquire it, how do we manage it, where is it coming from, what ends up happening if we make some wrong decisions or some wrong choices. Or in the current economic climate, where can we get access to money even though it seems like everything is in, is, in, is in disarray. You see, when you are a student of money, you're able to identify all of these strengths and you will see in this presentation that being a student of money, understanding how money works has a tremendous advantage. So this coronavirus pandemic came out of nowhere we weren't expecting this. It's not like we were told ahead of time, hey, um, you know what? This virus is going to occur in the first quarter of 2020 and it is going to do this, this, and that. No one knew. No one anticipated. No one expected this. But here we are. When you look at the data we see that it's stating that this pandemic could cost the global economy over $4 trillion. When you look at the U.S. economy by itself, the U.S. economy is on, let's say, on a year-to-year basis, our GDP, it's roughly about 21 or 22 trillion dollars. So what happens when we, for let's say two months, stop or pause a lot of economic activity. It has an impact. So today I was doing the math. I was like, okay, let me see. Um, U.S. GDP is about 20, 21 trillion. If we pause the economy for about two months, what does that, you know, compute, right? And I saw that that number is around two to three trillion. So let's say give and take, the U.S. can find itself having lost anywhere between $1.5 to about $2.5 trillion because of this coronavirus pandemic. And friends, this was not expected. So then, now that that's happening, and now that I computed and saw that, okay, this coronavirus pandemic can cost the U.S. economy this amount of money, let's look at what has been government's response about a week and a half ago, they put out a $2.2 trillion stimulus package. Can you see how like all of this is is working together, right? So if the US economy is losing about $1.5 to $2.5 trillion as a result of this virus, then that means that that money, an equivalent of that amount or more has to be injected into the economy. So now we have this 2.2 trillion stimulus package. This right here, friends, is going to safeguard the American economy. Were it not for this stimulus package that you see here on this slide, the US economy would have fallen into a recession. Excuse me, not a recession, because the recession is guaranteed the US economy would have fallen into a depression. It would have been substantial. That is why they acted so swiftly to manage, you know, this crisis and put out this stimulus package. And I'm so glad that they worked really quickly to get it out. So in this stimulus package, if you notice based on this slide, The people who are getting the most amount of money, friends, it's the individuals. So you and I, for once, okay, we're looking at the largest stimulus package in U.S. history, and for once, the beneficiaries, individuals, $600 billion is allocated to individuals. So how... how? What does that $600 billion comprise of? Comprises of the direct payments, right? That is sent to individuals. You know, the $1,200 check per adult and the $500 check per, per child. Another way that individuals are benefiting is by expanded unemployment benefits. And this not only covers like anyone who's been impacted by this coronavirus uh, pandemic, but it also helps gig workers, freelancers, individuals with businesses that relied on those businesses as a source of income. The next beneficiaries, and I'm just gonna quickly breeze through these, large businesses that have been impacted, they get about 500 billion. Small businesses get about 377 billion. State and local governments receive about 300 billion. Hospitals and public services receive about 179 billion. So friends, individuals are the biggest beneficiaries. How are we benefiting? Direct payments, as I just went through. Expanded unemployment student loans being waived, I should clarify, federal student loans being waived for the next six months. And if you haven't filed your 2019 taxes yet, if you're someone who typically gets a refund, remember that even though the tax refund is not a part of the stimulus package, if you file your taxes, you can You know, if you've been getting refunds and this year you're due a refund, you can go ahead and file your taxes. That will serve as a source of income for your family. Consumer spending is what drives the economy. What do I mean by this? Many people don't realize that every dollar that you spend is someone else's income. And this concept of every dollar is someone else's income, I don't think most people understand it. Whenever you spend money, whether you spend that money at a small with a small business, or you spend that money to get food, or you spend that money going to the movie theater, or you spend that money um, paying for your car insurance or health insurance, whenever you spend money, you are allowing or you are permitting someone to be able to have a job. That is why consumer spending drives the economy. So imagine an economy where spending has been halted, like what we're experiencing right now. People are not spending money. What happens? It slows down the economy. That's why these different stimulus programs have been instituted Instituted to make it in such a way that we're able to get access to money so that we can begin once you know the whole virus is has settled, you know, it's peaked, we can begin spending so that it drives up the economy. Now we're gr- gradually shifting into your major bills. And what you can do during this time. Friend, I want to to just speak to you, not from the standpoint of someone who is coming to you as a financial expert and and all of that. I just want to speak um, to you or with you as a friend. I know that what's going on is going to catch a lot of people by surprise because there there are people who are very, um, good with money, right? And you, you are also, you have a lot of pride perhaps in, in the work that you do. And you never anticipated that maybe you'd be in a position where your pay has been reduced or maybe you are in a position where you've been let go or you are in a position where for the first time in your life, you are looking at your bills and you're wondering like, how can I or how can we uh, manage this? And I want you to know that there's nothing to, one, be worried about, there's nothing to be ashamed of, and for you to know that we are all collectively going to make it through this. We're going to take it week by week, day by day, but know that we are all collectively going to come through this and make it through And part of putting this presentation together with Alexa is to show you all how to be able to manage these major bills, right? So that you come out on the other side successful without having made some decisions which might cost you along the way. So here's what you need to know. Everyone is lenient right now. What do I mean by that? The creditors, uh, bill collectors, um, utility companies uh, and i 'll go through all of these different bills. Everyone is lenient right now. Why? Because friends, when this whole pandemic happened, the Federal Reserve announced that they are going to do everything in their power to support the u s economy, so they started print like this buying a lot of government bonds, buying a lot of mortgage-backed securities, funding a lot of businesses. Friends, they are doing everything in their power to support the economy. And because the Federal Reserve is providing so much capital into the economy, it has allowed different businesses or, you know, different lenders to be more relaxed, That is why everyone is lenient right now. So if you're looking at your mortgage or you're looking at your rent, you can pause those payments. And I I won't speak too much about the mortgage, even though I do know what you need to do. I'm going to allow Alexa to speak on that, right? You can pause your mortgage payments. When it comes to rent, friends, there are two things that you can do. First and foremost, Most renters need to know this. Any landlord that has a mortgage, that is backed by the federal government. And just so you know, 50% of mortgages are backed by the federal government through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So half of landlords are required by law to allow a 120-day kind of a grace period or a pause to rent. It doesn't mean that you're forgiven this amount. You still need to pay it. But by law, any landlord that has a mortgage that is backed by the federal government has to allow a 120-day, you know, ability for you, the renter, to be able to pause your payments. Now, if let's say you are with a landlord that doesn't have this or, you know, that doesn't disclose this, landlord still will be willing to work with you. I can guarantee you that. Go approach that landlord. Don't feel bad about it. Approach them and, and talk it through and structure something where you are able to set up some kind of, uh, you know, pausing of your rent. And then you split documents maybe over a couple of months or over a year, and then you slowly repay that amount later on when you're on a better or a solid footing. The CARES Act has been implemented. You are allowed to waive six months of your student loan payments. Friends, if you are looking at the fact that you can waive your student loan payments and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, well, I don't need to waive it. I'm just going to keep paying into student loans there's nothing wrong with doing that but let me challenge you to do this why don't you take advantage of this opportunity okay and even if you want to put the money to student loans you just keep the money for 5 months okay just keep putting the money into an account for 5 months at the f- because no interest is accruing at the 5 month mark you decide okay do you still to put all of that money back into the student loan? Or do you think that that money can serve a better purpose? You decide, you get to make that decision, okay? Instead of doing the opposite, which is saying, oh, you know, I'm just gonna keep plowing all of my money into student loans, and God forbid, three months or four months in, if something were to happen to your income, all of a sudden it's like, you don't have access to that capital. So be smart, be strategic. I would take advantage of the pausing of student loan payments during this time if I were you. Now, next is car payments. Similar to the other bills that we've discussed. If you have a car payment or if you have a lease, you can reach out to the company. They are allowing individuals to be able to defer payments for 60, 90 days, even if you have a lease. It's called called a disaster relief plan. About three days ago, J.P. Morgan even announced, and J.P. Morgan is a huge lender. If they announce publicly that they're allowing individuals to waive mortgage payments and to be able to waive their car payments, trust me, all lenders or all other lenders will follow suit. Now, I can't speak for all lenders, but what I can assure you is because of how, len- how much money the Federal Reserve is pumping into the economy and how lenders are being you know, lenient, I am certain that your car loan company will be lenient and they'll be willing to work with you as well. The same goes for credit cards. Credit card companies are actually reaching out to people via email and even on their websites to tell you about ways that you can pause or defer payments during these times. And lastly, utilities. When it comes to utilities like, you know, your light, gas, it's actually like the law states that they cannot turn off your lights right now. They cannot turn off your gas right now. Like that is the law. Okay. So when it comes to utilities, please know that sure, they cannot turn it off, but think ahead. How are you going to reach out proactively to be able to let them know, okay, maybe you're struggling, times are tough. What are you going to do after this? Right? So the bills that can be paid what type of payment arrangement do they have? You'd want to find out all of this information. So you are setting yourself up to be able to be successful beyond this crisis. So friends, in, in conclusion, what I would like to share with you is that most banks, most, you know, lenders, they are very, very lenient. Most bill collectors, most, the, bill, the regular bills that we have to pay on a day-to-day basis, they understand what's going on. All you need to do is reach out, e- even with your rent and with your mortgage is the exact same thing. Now, when it comes to mortgage, I want to turn it over to Alexa so that she can take it over from here. Alexa, can you can you hear me?
1: Yes. Can oh. you guys hear me? Hear yes. Me? So thank you, Dr. Hans. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this workshop. I think what we're talking about is incredibly important. It's affecting so many different Americans. And if, uh, if you're not already affected, a lot of people have concerns about being affected in the near future. So this is just a really, really... Uh, incredible topic that is affecting just about everybody across the country right now. So, um, just a quick, you know, 20 second elevator pitch about myself. I'm a mortgage broker. I've been in the mortgage space for about five years now, and I'm a loan originator. So, I do loans strictly for real estate, whether that's uh, purchasing a home, refinancing a home, purchasing investment properties. Uh, I do all different kinds of, of mortgage programs. Now what makes me a little bit different is I'm a mortgage broker meaning I don't work with just one bank or one lender I work with over 13 different lenders. So this has been a tremendous time in this industry for a lot of the reasons that that Hans has discussed. You know, COVID-19 has had such a widespread reach that it's inevitable that the mortgage space would be impacted. So I am I'm telling people I guess as a as a center focus of my message, if you can pay your mortgage, pay your mortgage. There are relief options in place. There are lots of options in place, but those options are going to have it's not a it's not a forgiveness. I tell people all the time, forbearance is not forgiveness, deferment is not forgiveness, and there will be repercussions. It's not gonna be a silver bullet. So I am encouraging people, like if you have the ability to pay your mortgage, pay your mortgage. Now, that's not going to be everybody by any stretch of of the imagination. So there are right now, there are three primary ways in which you can uh, apply for relief for for a mortgage payment. So the um, most popular is going to be a forbearance. And the good news for homeowners, and this is going to trickle down to renters as well, the uh, the federal government has instituted the CARES Act, which Hans mentioned earlier. I think it stands for the Coronavirus um, Aid Relief Stimulus uh, Economic Stimulus, you know, fund. And so, basically, in layman's terms, what this means is that your mortgage lender cannot foreclose on you. And your landlord cannot evict you. So the mortgage company is saying, okay, if I can't foreclose on you, then you can't evict your tenant if, if you're renting someone or if that's your personal property. So this is great news. And it gives everybody the right to at least apply for a forbearance. So let's get into some of the specifics about what a forbearance looks like. So a mortgage forbearance is going to be for short-term relief. Uh, This is going to be an option if uh, you are unable to make your mortgage payments for about three to six months. You and your mortgage company will uh, temporarily suspend or reduce your mortgage payments altogether for at least three months up to six months. Now, the thing with a forbearance that's really important to know is that at the end of the forbearance period, you are going to be required to do one of two options. The first option is you have to make a lump sum payment of all of those missed mortgage payments in one. This isn't going to be feasible for people who are just getting back on their feet, right? So the second option would be to spread out your mortgage payments over a specified period of time. That's gonna be a case by case scenario. Dependent on your financial profile and what you are experiencing and how you have been impacted, I would say the most un, uh, most common is going to be about twelve months. And so let's just do some easy math, right? Let's say your mortgage payment is fifteen hundred dollars a month, and let's say that your that payment is waived for three months. That's going to be about forty five hundred dollars. So $4,500, even spread over 12 months, is increasing your mortgage payment by, I believe, about $375 a month. Let me check my math on that. I do math all day, so I'm actually not good at simple math. $375. Okay. So for an entire year, your mortgage payment is going up by almost $400 a month. This is a lot. So if you're not able to do that, there is even a a second caveat that you can segue into a true payment modification program. So a payment modification program, is going to be a program that is for long-term hardship, right? So say you were laid off, you had to dip into your savings just to pay all of your other bills during your forbearance period. That forbearance period ends and you're left saying, okay, I, I can start making my minimum mortgage payment, but I can't pay anything on top of that. You would be a perfect candidate or a payment modification program. And this is where your payment is reduced either by the loan term, sorry, not the term reduced, the loan term would actually be extended. That's one option of a modification program. Your interest rate would be reduced for a specified period of time or permanently. And in turn, that would lower your mortgage payment, again, for at least 12 months, but the idea of a lo- a true modification program, it's to get you back on your feet and it's, it's going to be for the life of the loan until you either uh, sell the property or you pay the loan off in full, which could be 20, 30, 40 years. Okay. So another thing to keep in mind with forbearance and with payment modification, the interest is not going to stop accruing. So you are going to continue accruing interest during that uh, forbearance period or during that payment modification. A third option would be a deferment. So deferment is going to work a little bit differently with mortgages than it is for a lot of the other very common payments out there predominantly student loans. That's that's the most common um, liability that is eligible for deferment right now. And thankfully, the federal government, I think their <laughs> deferment option for student loans is fantastic. And I think it's going to give a lot of people really needed relief. Deferment on mortgages, however, is going to impact individuals a little differently. So first of all, the federal government has said that you can't even enter in a, uh, an evaluation period for deferment until July 1st, 2020. So that's the first stipulation. to be Even be evaluated for deferment, that's going to begin July of this year. Second stipulation is you have to already be 30 to 60 days delinquent on your mortgage. So you have to willingly not be able to make your mortgage payment. And this is where I go back to what I said at the beginning. A lot of people aren't going to just choose not to pay their mortgage if they have the ability to do so. This is going to be for people who cannot make their mortgage. The good news is nobody's going to foreclose on you. You're not going to get any notices. Nobody's going to come knocking at your door. So after that 60 days of being delinquent, you can apply for a deferment. The deferment is going to give you relief for up to, uh, I believe, three months worth of mortgage payments. Um, Again, you have to be delinquent. The loan has to be more than 12 months old. So if you closed on your house uh, just six months ago or 10 months ago, a deferment is not going to be an option for you. So you would want to call your loan servicer, your mortgage company, and ask about forbearance or a loan modification. But deferment is not going to apply to you unless your loan is 12 months or you're old. Another thing to keep in mind with deferment is uh, the financial hardship has to have been resolved. So again, this is gonna be a very, I think this is gonna be a very, very small group of people that truly qualify for a deferment. That's like, okay, you're furloughed from your job due to shutting down. Maybe you're in retail and everything shuts down due to COVID-19 for 60 days and you don't make a paycheck for 60 days. Obviously you're not gonna be able to pay your bills. So Say the economy gets back on their feet. You go back to work full-time. You're able to start paying your bills again. You would, again, in your evaluation period, you would have to prove through an employment verification and pay stubs, I'm back at work. Um, I can make my loan payment. And your loan company would then say, okay, well, to help you get back on your feet, catch up, for lack of a better term. We're going to grant you three months deferment. So if we're talking pros and cons, right? Um, pros of a forbearance, it's going to have minimal impact to your credit, that there's a couple other laws in place that they cannot uh, furnish these missed payments to the credit bureaus as missed or late payments. Um, That is going to apply only to deferment, because again, you have to already be delinquent to even qualify for a deferment. For a forbearance, there will be some verbiage on your credit report about being in forbearance program or being in a loan modification program. But to my knowledge, and again, don't take this as fact because every single loan company, it's going to have different uh, nuances and, and details in how they work their programs. But um, mainly it's not going to affect your credit quite as adversely as a deferment. The other benefit is, again, you're, you're granted that relief and you're not being foreclosed on for up to six months, which I can tell you as a mortgage broker, if you don't make your mortgage payment for six months, you're 100% going to get foreclosure notices. And it's going to be very hard to back out of that. So I think that's a, that's a great benefit. Um, one thing to keep in mind as a third, uh, I guess, rather a fourth option, before looking into forbearance, deferment, or payment modification program, consider this. Home values have never been higher. And despite what a lot of people are saying, I've got buyers right now who are like, I think I'm going to wait for the housing market just completely crash and I'll buy this like awesome five bedroom house for $100,000. That's not going to happen. This is not 2008, right? So 2008, we saw super inflated home values. We saw a ton of subprime or risky lending programs that they rightfully have done away with. That was a true financial crisis. This is a global health crisis. So The housing market is super solid. I don't think we're gonna see home values decrease for anybody who's owning a home right now. You can breathe and rest easy. Nothing's gonna happen to your home value. So with that being said, if you've got equity right now, which most of the country does, consider a home equity line of credit, pull out some of that equity as a cushion for those payments that you're concerned about being able to make, or a cash out refinance. I think these are great options or folks who, you know, they're like, okay, I, I, I want to be able to refinance in the future. I don't want to be stuck in these high payment, um, you know, forbearance uh, programs or payment modification programs or worst case scenario, a deferment program, consider a home equity line of credit or a cash out refinance first. And that might give you exactly what you need without having to really sacrifice much of anything. So that would be, my two cents on the mortgage side of things and of course I'm happy to answer um specific questions that that any of you have
0: Alexa thank you so much um that's just absolutely incredible and you all we're going to go into Q&A shortly um so I wanted to quickly summarize Alexa what you shared with us and you know you can either confirm or just um I guess, reiterate the point. So first and foremost, you're saying if individuals can afford, right, their payments with regards to like their mortgage payments, they, they should just go ahead and just take care of those payments, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, if a person cannot, the immediate option that they have is, is a forbearance. Mm-hmm. And yes, correct for and for forbearance what it means is that you are pausing your payments for a specified period i know that the the wording with the cares access about 180 days but it's just it depends on a person maybe a person might need two months or they might need three months right so it depends on the person but you can get up to six months mm-hmm. and actually at that six month mark if you're still in a pinch you can actually extend it further but the the challenge with the deferment, as you've shared, excuse me, with the forbearance, as you've shared, is that at the end of the forbearance period, the amount becomes due.
1: Correct. Mm. It, it will either their first going no mortgage company is going to jump straight to you can spread it out over the loan term because they have to pay their investors as well. So I know it feels like a lot of these investors are just big greedy banks. But whoever you're paying, they have to pay somebody else who has to pay somebody else, right? So it's just a trickle-down effect. So they're, they're first going to ask that you make that lump sum payment. Again, they understand this is not going to be feasible for the vast majority of, of Americans. So the second option is that it's spread out over a 12-month period or they will give you the option of going into a loan modification program and again this is going to be dependent on the servicer whoever's servicing your mortgage as well as your uh, individual scenario financially
0: excellent excellent so you can actually spread out those payments or apply for a loan modification and and the last option for people who've really been impacted and they just feel like oh my gosh like I, i can't make my payments when they're about 30 or 60 days late Um, starting in July, based on what you shared, then they can get deferment.
1: Right. And if you were to, if that started now, because let's, let's be real. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are out of work right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you would be experiencing that 60 day delinquency right about July. And that's Mm -hmm. when your evaluation period would begin. And you will, you would have already met that first uh, parameter of being 60 days delinquent. The second parameter is hopefully by July, you've got your job back and then that that would meet the main criteria for being eligible for deferment.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's incredible. I see a question just came in and you all, uh, we're going to open this up to questions. So you can go ahead and type your question or if you want to unmute yourself to ask your question. But the first question that came in from Gifty is, can you please explain more about home equity line of credit? what are the benefits? And also while you're doing that, Alexa, if you can also explain what a cash out refinance is as well.
1: Absolutely. So a home equity line of credit is going to be a much more simplified version of a cash out refinance. So home equity line of credit, let's say I'm, I'm an example person, right? So let's say that you bought your house five years ago, for $200,000. As we all know, home values have been appreciating or growing in value in the last five years. Say you've done some updates or you really wouldn't even have to do updates. Say that you just haven't let the property completely fall apart. Right now, your home value could be roughly $220,000. Now in that time, you've also been paying down your loan amount, right? So what you owe on your loan, roughly in five years, if you bought it at $200,000 with no money down, right? Okay, so no down payment. You would owe about $177,000, but the home would be worth $220,000. Most banks will allow you to, uh, think of your house as an ATM, they will allow you to pull out the equity up to a 90% loan to value ratio. So that means that you could essentially pull out up to about $20,000 or more since we're keeping it at that 90% cap. So as long as your total loan amount with the new loan, it's essentially a loan from yourself, from your own equity of $20,000, your new loan amount with the home equity line of credit plus your principal mortgage balance would be about $197,000. If you owe one seventy-seven, dollars and then you pull out $20,000 worth of equity, Uh, That would be a total amount of 197. A great thing about home equity line of credit is a fixed rate. So for the first two years, you only pay interest. So um, I actually ran a scenario yesterday for somebody. I don't do home equity lines of credit. Your bank probably does, credit unions definitely do. But I I looked at a scenario yesterday where it was a $20,000 line of credit, interest only for two years. If they maxed out that entire line of credit, they used all $20,000 to either pay off bills or make a remodel or home or whatever. For the first two years, that payment would only be $70 a month. Then after that two-year period, your interest rate is going to go to whatever the prime rate is for that time. Right now, the prime rate is 3.25%, very, very low, which rates across the board, again, thank you to the Federal Reserve, are at all-time lows. So that's a home equity line of credit, right? So a cash out refinance is going to work. It's very, very similar. It's just a little bit m- more complex. You're going to have more stringent guidelines. A uh, home uh, cash out refinance, you're doing the exact same thing. You are pulling your equity out in the form of cash. So you get a check for that amount, whatever amount you want to pull out in equity at closing. Now the parameters for a cash out refinance, is an eighty percent loan to value ratio. So, if my home appraises for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars and I owe one hundred and seventy-seven thousand, I'm only going to be able to pull out, uh, I believe, about ten thousand because they won't go to a ninety percent loan to value ratio. They'll only go to an eighty percent loan to value ratio. So, you're able to pull out a little bit less. Uh, closing costs on a true cash out refinance are going to be higher than a home equity line of credit. That's a pretty simple streamlined transaction. You have to pay for an appraisal and that's about it. So um, those would be the main differences in a cash out refinance and a home equity line of credit.
0: So you have talked about the home equity line of credit. It's being adjusted based on a prime interest rate. Does that mean that um, an individual cannot get a fixed rate? It's kind of similar to like a fixed rate, you know, on a mortgage. Can they get a fixed rate with a, a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit?
1: Yes. Uh, HELOC is a home equity line of credit. Sometimes I forget that I'll say HELOC and people are like, what are you talking about? So yes. And what's interesting is you have to be careful because a HELOC, if you go to your bank right now online and you apply for a fixed rate HELOC, it's not a true fixed rate. They're saying that your rate is fixed for either that two year period at the beginning or the five year period at the end of the loan. It's usually the, the first two years they're talking it's fixed mm. because we don't know what the prime rate is going to be two years from now. That, that ebbs and flows with the economy and with what, whatever the market is doing. So if they say that you're fixed, that usually means the first two to three months, or excuse me, two to three years it's a fixed rate and that's going to be anywhere between it's going to depend on your loan to value ratio, your credit score. Each individual is going to qualify for a different rate, just like in mortgages. It's going to depend on, on your qualifications. Now, after that period, it's going to depend way less on your qualifications and it will go automatically to whatever the prime rate is. So for, for comparison purposes, this time last year, the prime rate was five and a half on home equity line of credit. It was super, super high. Right now, the prime rate is 3.25%. So I, I typically tell people when rates are really low across the board, home equity line of credit is great if you are confident you're going to be able to pay that loan back or sell your home and pay it off with the proceeds within two years. If you if this is more of like a long-term thing, then I would look at a, a cash-out refinance because that is a true fixed rate over 30 years, 20 years, whatever you want it to be. And it doesn't, you're not looking at jumping to potentially five, 6% interest within 24 months. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And you all, you can ask your questions. Uh, you can either type it in or you can speak up. Alexa is here to answer the mortgage questions. I'm here to answer more of the personal finance questions. It says that, um, what's a good time to refinance for a lower interest? You no, know, it's Would this be a good time? to refinance for a lower interest because they have PMI?
1: Great question. So it's all going to depend on your current interest rate. I have people that contact me with an interest rate of 3.875 and they're like, my buddy just got a rate of 3.25%. I'm going to refinance my house. No, don't let anybody refinance you if your rate is 4% or less. That is a fantastic rate. You're going to pay so much in closing costs that the savings, the little bit of savings on that half a percent, isn't going to matter. Now, if you're in a mortgage where you're at 4.75%, 5%, really four and a half or higher is the general rule of thumb. Yes. I would look into refinancing, especially if you've got PMI and you've it's been a little bit of time since that original loan and you've got the equity. If you've got enough equity, you could potentially lower your interest rate and drop the PMI, which is a pretty significant savings per month.
0: Excellent. So, um, I, I, Ashish, we cannot go into you know, all of your specific states where foreclosed properties are, but Alexa, if you can quickly address Ashish's question, he's asking where, how can he get a list of foreclosed properties?
1: Absolutely. The best way to do that, contact a local realtor, preferably someone who has really good reviews, someone who it's not like a part-time job, but anybody in your local area, you can go on Zillow and just search agents in my area, reach out to them via phone or email, they have a listing of the MLS, and on the MLS is going to have all foreclosed properties So they can send you a list of strictly foreclosures in your area by zip code.
0: Excellent. So the next question was, and I'll take this one, does the government uh, student loans in forbearance still accrue interest? And the answer is that it doesn't, right? So for that six months, there's no interest Um, There's no late payments. There's no impact on your credit score. It's literally a six-month waiving of your student loans. There's no lump sum that's expected to be paid at the end of the loan. That's why Alexa was saying that the student loan... program is honestly the best. So I see a question here from Francesca. Uh, She's asking if she's moving to a certain state for three years, is it ideal to buy or purchase a home? Because she's about 95% sure that she's only going to be in that state for about three years. Or she says she does not want to rent. So what what do you have to say to, to, to her?
1: So I would say there's to answer the second part of your question, there's absolutely no penalty for how quickly you can sell your home, especially after three years. Now, the first time homebuyer programs, they do have some stipulations. you might you might have to be careful in that three to five year period, but for the vast majority of loan programs, there's no penalty for for selling early. Um, I, I think it comes down to your personal financial portfolio. If it's worth it to you to put a little bit of money down and make a little bit of money at the end of that three-year period, then I I don't think it would be foolish to purchase now and then sell in three years. Um, If you are in a market where it's going to cost you a lot of money out of pocket just to acquire that home, and in three years, you're only going to break even, you're not going to really make a profit, I would rent. I would rent for that three years. But I would take into consideration money out of pocket, make that purchase happen, and what you anticipate making on the home when you sell it in three years.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah, and you all, if you have any other questions, please ask. Um, Alexa, before I ask uh, my question, I was curious, what what do you have to say to the individual who's listening right now? And perhaps they are just looking at kind of the bills that they have and they are just a little concerned. Maybe they are looking at their mortgage or, you know, looking at that rent payment and they are wondering like, you know, uh, what do I do? What do you have to say to that person?
1: I would say before becoming desperate, look for solutions, right? Because w- nobody is going to function very well from a mindset of scarcity or absolute fear or panic. So I would say, you know, take a second, take a deep breath. This is yes, it's it's scary for a lot of people um, and everybody is impacted, but I would say look at your total financial situation. If you've got a lot of people forget they have a 401k, right? So look, take a look at what you've got in your 401k. This is a time, a great time to borrow from your 401k. You can pay yourself back with interest when this is all said and done, or you can borrow it tax-free if it's a true financial hardship. So 401k would be a great option. Um, again, your mortgage payment is actually not considered truly late. They do not report you to the credit bureaus until you are 30 days behind. So a lot of times you can figure out a situation where even if you're not making that mortgage payment on the 1st, if you can make it on the 15th and you know let some other bills go, try to structure your bills so that you're paying what has to be paid without it affecting your credit score. And of course, there's going to be times where you've got to, you've got to be 30 days late. And that's okay, too. Those, you can recover from a 30-day late payment or a 60-day late payment. It's not going to be absolute end-all, be-all to your financial future. Um, secondly, I would say contact your bank. If it's a car payment, contact your bank. Talk to them. If it's a mortgage, contact your loan servicer. Be, be upfront and frank about your situation because you never know what options might be available to you. It's just probably going to require a lot of time on hold. <laughs> And, and, you know, two hours out of your afternoon while you're like unloading the dishwasher or whatever. Um, But it's worth the time. It's worth the time to figure out what options are available to you. Because I agree with Hans, creditors across the entire country right now are lenient. And right now we're seeing more and more people receive uh, relief because it's affecting so many people. So just really look at at your options.
0: That's so true, and, and you all, before you get to the point where you are, you know, sixty days behind or even thirty days behind, remember the earlier options that Alexa had shared, right? The forbearance or, and, and deferment and all of that, so that you you don't get to the point where there is that, you know, um, negative, um, you know, reporting on your credit. Um. So, Alexa for individuals who are listening, who perhaps, um, want to know about your business, um, or like if they, is I, the, do you work specifically for a certain state or are you able to help individuals serve as a consultant? How does your business work?
1: So I am licensed only in Virginia right now. I'm working on getting licensed in North Carolina. So I can do loans in Virginia. Now, with that being said, I have contacts all throughout the country, throughout the United States. So just about any state, I'm going to know someone personally, probably pretty intimately that can help you out with a very similar products to what I offer. And again, I'm a broker, so I work with over 13 different lenders. We do purchases, FHA, VA, conventional, refinance, um, first-time home buyers, construction loans. Basically, if it's a loan to purchase real estate, we can offer it. Um I personally just work in the state of Virginia at this point.
0: Okay, but then you have the contacts, right? You yes, have I've got you
1: know, I've got a lot. Okay. I know a lot of people throughout the country. Great great folks.
0: Excellent. So where can individuals find you? Is there like a website? Is there like um like a particular place that they can go to to connect with you?
1: Sure. So my website is alexagetmeamortgage.com. www.alexagetmeamortgage.com. I'll actually put it in the Um, comments here. And you can apply for a mortgage right from my website. You can read a little bit about my business, my reviews, programs that we offer and whatnot.
0: And you can also reach out to her if you have questions or if you need her to link you to one of her contacts. Alexa is amazing. And by the way, that line, Alexa, get me a mortgage is incredible because like, literally, I had to
1: capitalize on everybody making Alexa jokes. I was like, my <laughs> moment has come. I can use this to actually
0: it, my it, business. It, it's phenomenal because literally I can, you know how I'm always just anticipating the future. I can literally anticipate in about 10 years, individuals literally saying, Alexa, get me a mortgage. And, and, and a mortgage
1: application will pop up on your, on your PC. <laughs> yeah, know. it's so true. It's so and, true.
0: And Alexa is going to reach out to you. No, not Alexa. Amazon is going to reach out to you and buy that URL <laughs> for like 1 million or $10 million.
1: I was shocked. I was shocked that the URL was available. I was like, <laughs> nobody named Alexa who's doing mortgages. <laughs> this. Like I have to take advantage of
0: this. This is crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, a couple of questions came in. So Ashish was like, Hans, what are your uh, top three stocks to buy? So, Ashish, if you go to my Instagram or if you go to the website, uh, investmystimuluscheck.com, you'd be able to get um, the link to the investment report that I wrote for the top five stocks to buy uh, during this, uh, this crisis.
2: I got a quick question for Han- Dr. Hans. Yes, um, sir. Do do individuals have to apply for stim? Have to apply for unemployment first in order to get um the stimulus package? So, or?
0: so the word stimulus package, you know, it's misused. So the stimulus package is the two point two trillion dollar package. Okay. So it's the entire package. Okay. But then that by itself. And whenever people are saying stimulus package, I'm guessing what they are referring to is the direct payment. Is that what...
2: Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's what I'm referring to.
0: So the direct payment is coming to you. You don't need to apply for it. If If you file taxes in 2018 or you file taxes in 2019, as a single individual, if you make less than 75K adjusted gross income or as a family unit... If combined, you all earn 150k or less, you're gonna get the full amount. Now, as a single individual, I believe the cap is about 90k, and yeah. as a married couple, I believe the cap is about 198 thousand dollars. Where above that 150 or above that 70k, it's like it takes a portion of that money, right? And and it just reduces it. But then it phases out at that cap of ninety or one hundred and ninety-eight thousand. So yeah, with the direct payments, you get that automatically. Now, with um, unemployment benefits, the expanded unemployment benefits, you need to apply through your state, right? So if you if you live in New York or you live if you live in Virginia, just go ahead and and Google New York unemployment or Virginia unemployment. And this unemployment benefit, it's not coming through or it's not going through your employer. Like it's, it's part of that stimulus package. So if you've been impacted, you know, by the coronavirus, you will, you know, literally be guaranteed. And I don't want to say guaranteed, but you will be based on the law guaranteed uh, an income through that un- expanded unemployment program.
2: And um, my second part question, I guess, is, if your if your employer put you on a furlough would should you still um go ahead and file for an unemployment
0: absolutely um, yeah. it's impacted your income would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely <Okay. laughs> yes
2: and um what other financial like um books would you recommend? Because I know like when you were talking, you kind of said something briefly about like read that real dad, poor dad.
0: Rich, um, yeah, it's rich, rich, yeah. Yeah, rich dad, poor dad. Very good book. The second I'll say the number one book that I'd say everyone should read is Richest Man in Babylon. Okay, mm-hmm. richest man in Babylon. I'll go ahead and type that. In here um, just that book is the foundation of financial success if a person sits down and just reads that book that I believe chapters 2 3 uh, 2 3 & 4 just those three chapters or I think four chapters oh my gosh it will help you understand the basics of personal finance, and and it just it's just life changing. So look up that book, "Righteous Man in Babylon." Beyond that, I would read uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad," and and if you are just a fanatic for learning and studying wealth, then i will graduate to "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill.
1: <laughs> Fantastic book. That's a good one for audio
0: yeah all um, of those
1: are great but yeah those are those
0: are great think and grow rich that's when you are stepping into a different dimension of like possibilities it's just phenomenal
2: <laughs> Excellent. thank
0: you yeah you're very welcome josh and alexa i believe um deborah said she's reached out so that's that's awesome So you all, if you don't have any other questions, we will wrap up right now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. And Alexa, I just want to just take a moment to acknowledge you for taking the time, you know, to share your wealth of knowledge uh, with us. I asked you to be on this workshop because I've I've been watching you from afar and I noticed your wealth of knowledge and I believe that more people in the world need to be exposed to that knowledge so that they can, they can know that when armed with the right information, it truly makes a difference. So thank you for what you continue to do on a day-to-day basis in serving your clients, your you know, customers. And uh, we were privileged uh, to have you.
1: Oh, thank you, Hans. I I can honestly say that so much of what I've learned in the past six months has been a direct result of your tutoring. Um, There are lots of mortgage brokers. There are lots of mortgage professionals out there, a lot of really great ones. But I can honestly say I have not come across anybody that is teaching the average American on how to build wealth in the way that you are, in a way that's so digestible. And I think it's so important, and it's something that so many people want to understand better and they just don't know where to start. So I think that this is just a fantastic, your, your platform and the way you connect with people and communicate with people is so, so valuable and so fantastic. So I really do feel honored to be, to be a part of anything that, that you've got going on.
0: Well, I look forward to many more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you all, um, thank you for spending the evening with us. I hope this was uh, beneficial, valuable. Please feel free. You can reach out to Alexa. At uh, Alexa, get me a or you or can on
1: Facebook. I put my Facebook link in there as well.
0: Facebook link. What's how do they search you on Facebook?
1: So my personal profile is Alexa Ray, A L E X A. My middle name, R A E. I will pop right up. Um, my business page is a little bit longer. It, it still comes up as Alexa Ray though. You'll just see NMLS ID. I have to legally put my, my ID number. So if you search Alexa Ray, R-A-E, you'll get my personal profile and my business profile. You can message me on either.
0: Awesome. And you all, you know where to find me. You can just search Investing Tutor. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. And I, as you all know, I respond to every inbox message. So you all have a great night. Thank you so much. I hope this was helpful. If we can serve you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. Alexa, once again, thank you so much.